This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities. I'm your host, Jack Ranjanan, and this week we're continuing our exploration of positive ageing for people living with HIV in light of Samash's Positive Ageing for Positive People workshop series in Adelaide. We're joined by Robin Learden from ECH to speak about ageing well at home, building capacity for carers to better support people living with HIV and our LGBTIQ plus communities and more. That's all coming up this episode on Well, Well, Well. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. So my name's Robin Leighton um, and my role is Diversity Manager at ECH. So I look after all of our programs related to um, primarily um, four diverse communities we focus on. So um, LGBTI community, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, um, people living with a disability um, and people from culturally and linguistically diverse communities. So... Um, I wear a rainbow tick organization, so I head up uh, our rainbow tick accreditation work. Um, we have a, um, a reconciliation action plan, so head up our work in the wrap. Um, uh, we do a lot in, uh, we have a mentorship program with Purple Orange, which is a, um, a primary um, disability support um, service here in South Australia. Um, and yeah, we do quite a bit in the um, uh, multicultural space as well. What is ECH and how was it established? Mm -hmm. So ECH stands for Enabling Confidence at Home. Um, so it's an aged care provider in South Australia. Um, it was established in 1964, so it's been going for quite some time, um, primarily to provide affordable accommodation for war widows. Um, so it was started by two men um, who wanted to, yeah, they saw a need um, for war widows who were struggling um, to find affordable accommodation. So um, since that time, um, we now are the largest provider of retirement living accommodation in South Australia, mm. um, but we also run um, home services and wellness centres um, for older people in South Australia. What was, I guess, when and how did that shift from uh, supporting primarily war widows to mm -hmm. um, ageing South Australian communities? Um, I think it was a, a gradual uh, response. Obviously, um, people who need to access affordable accommodation are ageing. Uh, and so it sort of made sense to start to um, increase our uh, response to older people. Yep. We used to have um, residential care um, accommodation as well, um, but we um, divested of that um, eight or nine years ago to really focus on supporting people at home mm. um, up till and including death. So we, we saw that people don't want to go into nursing homes. It's not where they want to end their life. They want to end their life at home. So um, we provide all of our resources um, to uh, 
uh, enable that to happen as much as we can. Part of those services um, come out of ECH's wellness centres. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, tell me a little about the centres themselves and what those services are. Sure. So uh, we have a number of wellness services across um, metropolitan Adelaide as well as um, down at Victor Harbour as well. Yep. Um, so um, those centres um, provide a range of allied health services. So speech pathology, pathology dietitian, podiatry, um, physiotherapy, range of exercise and fitness classes mm. um, and massage therapy. For Aging South Australians at home, um, I guess, are the majority of the services um, from, from ECH coming out of those uh, wellness centres? Or uh, I, I guess, how do you, how does that support manifest? Yeah, so um, the wellness centres primarily focus on um, the allied health services. Yep. And then we have our home service teams um, that um, provide um, both case management um, uh they uh, support people who have a range of funding options. So um, home care packages who are on the Commonwealth Home Support Program or who pay for it themselves. Mm. So um, they generally run out of our home service sort of um, centres. And yeah, they provide, uh, our home services provide a whole range of assistance for people in their homes so anything from um, housekeeping to general cleaning through to um, help with meal preparation personal care so showering and dressing um, through to uh, shopping assistance social support Mm. so really providing oh and one of the most important things is clinical care so we have our own registered and enrolled nurses um, that support people with um, with their medication management, wound care, and things like that. Cool. So everything that people need to stay at home. Is there much in the way of, I suppose, potentially for carers or villagers, um, or for other sector partners around um, capacity building so that uh, the different diverse communities that you work with are, are better understood and better supported through yeah. those, those partners? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the services, well, the only service really that I manage um, is an LGBTI-specific service yep. called LGBTI Connect. Yep. Um, and so that team um, is it's a team of four um, people um, and they provide a range of programs. So one of those programs is um, internal um, resource development for our staff. Yep. So they've done a whole range of um Resource development anywhere from um, providing you can ask that sessions during lunchtime for our staff, um, which were really well supported, through to um, fact sheets about what uh, specific issues face lesbians, gay men, bisexuals, mm. transgender and intersex people, um, through to we've just um, filmed some misbusted videos. So um, we do focus on supporting older um, LGBTI people, but we also um, very much focus on equipping and enabling our staff to provide that support um, face-to-face with our clients as well. What are some of the issues uh, that more um, often or or 
to a greater degree impact um, older LGBTIQ plus South Australians? So um, I guess higher risk of um, comorbidities yeah. or um, chronic illness due to um, primarily self-medication of stress and depression due to discrimination they yes. faced. So it's not that they face these chronic illnesses because they are LGBTI. Mm. It's because as a, as a response of the discrimination they faced. Yep. Um, so they're less likely to live with chronic illness, but they're, um, sorry, they're more likely to live with chronic illness, but they're less likely to seek support mm. due to a fear of um, being um, treated poorly or, you know, um, I'm a member of the LGBTI community myself, so I'm really aware of, you know, side remarks or um, dirty looks or just generally being made to feel rubbish. Yeah. Um, so people are wanting to avoid that as much as possible. So they're less likely to reach out and, and ask for support. So, yeah. Um, yeah, living with chronic illnesses, but also one of the major issues that we see people face is loneliness, mm. um, social isolation. So we've had quite a number of people who've reached out whose part, their partner has passed away and they've lost contact with the LGBTI community um, and they're lonely and they don't know how to get back into the community. We've had, you know, people in their 80s who have owned, like, you know, as they've said, they've known they were um, same-sex attracted or gender diverse, you know, ever since they can remember, but they haven't felt safe to disclose that. And it's only when they're, you know, 80 mm. that they feel that they can, um, but they don't, they don't have any connections. They don't know who to reach out to. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, um, we at ECH are loud and proud about our support of the LGBTI community. So, um, you know, we, we put our uh, advertising out in mainstream media and that's quite a lot where people come through to us because yep. um, in South Australia there is no um, LGBTI media anymore, whether printed or... Um, we do have a, um, a radio program, which was great, with um, Radio Adelaide, but... Um, more and more we're seeing uh, people reach out to us through mainstream media because, um, yeah, just generally they're, they're lonely. Is there, is there an appreciation or an awareness of the issues facing older queer people? Um, and, and do you think that that's, I suppose, getting better, getting worse? I think it depends. I think for organisations or services who are I guess respectful or wanting to hear that mm. their ears are open um, but there's quite a number of organizations who either um, it's not that they don't care yeah. it's just they don't see why it's their business yeah do you know what I mean like there's very much that we treat everybody the same type of mentality yeah. yeah. So um, there are an increasing number of 
organisations who are wanting to get more educated or resourced about um, older LGBTI people, but it's very slow. Mm. Um, so we were the first aged care provider in South Australia, only the second organisation in South Australia to get um, rainbow tick accreditation um, in 2017. So it's taken a long time. Yeah. And I think there's still only um, three or four organisations in South Australia. So it's not like the Eastern States where yeah. it's quite um, well known. Mm. It's still gaining recognition here. So um, there's only one other aged care organisation in, in South Australia that I know of that has rainbow tick accreditation. Um, and as I said, there are some other providers that are sympathetic, um, but generally I think there's a bit of apathy about yeah. it really. People don't see the relevance, um, which I don't think... There's arguments both ways in terms of um, I think there's a sort of a, a desire for LGBTI people to become part of the mainstream, um, but that also you know goes back to the treating everybody the same. There's yeah. no recognition yeah. of the fact that um, it's fairly recent history that people were still criminalised because mm. they were same-sex attracted or gender diverse. So, and what that has meant in terms of, um, yeah, increased um, uh, chronic illness, um, mental health issues, social isolation, all these things that we know af affect older LGBTI people. Mm. There's just no understanding of that for quite a lot of them, the broader aged care sector mm. um, really which was um, sort of uncovered in the Royal Commission as well um, so yeah there's still a lot to work to do in the in the aged care system in general I think. As someone who didn't go through the um, Royal Commission mm -hmm. into aged care and given you work in the sector I imagine it was very much your business and, and, and of your colleagues as well were there any I suppose signs of hope or um, much, I guess, heartening uh, as a queer person in the space, wanting to support queer people in the space uh, to come out of that royal commission. Because I recall there were numerous damning findings, mm. but I'm I, I can't say that I'm particularly aware of anything specific around queer communities or potentially other communities that you serve as well around disability, cultural and linguistic diversity, or First Nations people as well. Well, I haven't seen anything in terms of um, physical resourcing mm. for. Um, either the aged care system or yep. the sector to increase um, education for staff or anything like that. I think um, LGBTI um, people were um, sort of made a special needs group under right. the Aged Care Act um, some years before the Royal Commission. So that um, happened uh, with the Labor government, and then we had, you know, our LGBTI um, strategy for older people. Yeah. Um, that I think ceased in, I want to say 2016, but those dates might be 
incorrect. But the strategy came and went was, I, I suppose, the point. Yeah, that's right. right. And there, there wasn't... Um, that sort of lapsed. Now we have a diversity framework right. um, through the Commonwealth Government. So that incorporates um, LGBTI, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and culturally and linguistically diverse all kind of sit under that framework. Yeah. So there's kind of bad sides to that. Um, we are still um, have consideration in terms of um, additional resources required, primarily around um, education of our staff. Mm. Um, but it also puts us into a catch-all kind of situation with people from diverse communities yeah. as well. So it, it dilutes it in a way. Um, and the other thing about the diversity framework, which was the same with the strategies, aged care providers, um, there's no compulsion to follow that framework. So it's not connected with the quality standards. There's no obligation there. There's no obligation. Yeah. So um, as I said, people who like organizations who are already sympathetic use that framework to, you know, develop their service provision. Yeah. But if you if there are organizations, as I said, who don't really give a damn, mm. then there's no obligation. There's no um, punitive action mm. if they don't follow that framework. In the quality standards, um, it is related to um, customer dignity and choice. Mm. Um, so aged care providers are supposed to pro you know, um, provide recognition and support of people from diverse communities. Yeah. But... but yeah, it can go that from always... just written on paper, yes, we know they're around, yeah. to the high-level support. What issues do you feel, and, and there may well be some overlap there with other um, sort of diverse communities, including LGBTIQ people, um, what are some of the issues that I suppose face PLHIV um, in South Australia? Uh, how does ECH support them and, mm -hmm. and, and how are you hoping to um, help them uh, through uh, the, the workshop that you're going to be um, appearing as part of. Yep. So what we know of people living with HIV is that there's even higher risk of comorbidities mm. and chronic illnesses. Yep. They're ageing faster, um, cognitive decline related to um, HIV. Yep. Um, so once again, even more likely to need services, yep. but due to stigma around um, HIV, mm. even less likely to seek support. So um, there is um, obviously the SAMESH. Um, we did have some other services for people living with HIV, um, but there's an, like a general decline in funding. Mm. Um, so... We're seeing people who um, who need support, but there's not necessarily the funding to support. So um, we have a number of people living with HIV who come along to our social programs. So we run a range of social support programs for um, LGBTI older people. So we've got a monthly sort of um, activity-based, so excursion-based program. Yeah. Um, we we have a one-on-one -on -one type home visitors program. We run a trans uh, and gender diverse um, coffee catch-up. 
Um, and we run um, like an art gallery group as mm. well. So we have um, a number of people living with HIV who come along to those social programs. Yep. Um, we also link quite heavily with our onboarding staff at ECH. So mm. the, the um, care coordination team that are responsible for um doing assessments and, and bringing new people into our services. So um, we um, assist quite a lot if they have um, questions about the LGBTI community or um, a specific um, needs such as people living with HIV. Um, but we're really happy to sort of um, get on board and, and help with um, the Positive Aging Fellowship Grant um, with Samish. Yes. Um, like we know, as I said, I, we know that people are living at home in quite vulnerable situations and don't necessarily know what support is out there mm. to enable people to stay at home. Yeah. The fear of aging is quite considerable for people living with HIV in particular. Yeah. Um, particularly going into a nursing home or residential care type situation can be terrifying. Mm. So it's really important that people understand that there is a lot of support that they can access in their own home. They don't have to go into a terrifying situation um, away from, from their home or where they feel safe. So yeah, just that awareness raising um, for people around um, what, um, home services are available, also some, you know, re-enabling services. So our wellness services, exercise classes to keep them fit and healthy, yep. um, but also our clinical care as well. So our clinical team are well aware of um, a, a range of chronic illnesses, including um, chronic illnesses specific to people living with HIV, uh, and they provide really excellent support. Are there organisations outside South Australia that may be nationwide or maybe more specific to different uh, different states or territories um, that you would recommend LGBTIQ plus or people living with HIV to, to sort of reach out to? Are there similar organisations elsewhere? Um, there's some really great organisations doing some really great work yep. for older LGBTI people. So... Um, I always like to give a shout out to uh, my friend, Dr. Catherine Barrett, um, who works out of Melbourne. So she's got um, an organisation called Celebrate Aging. So it's not just LGBTI specific, although yep. she has a LGBTI specific program or arm, yeah. um, but she also focuses on elder abuse, um, particularly around sexual abuse of older people. Yeah. Um, Generally empowering older people, um, which is fantastic. Um, Vows Cafe, also Melbourne-based, yep. um, offers a range of resources and tools. Um, that are accessible online? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So if people just Google Vows Cafe, they'll be able to um, find that information. That's really, they provide some really great resources for aged care providers who are wanting to know more about um, how to support um, older LGBTI people, we don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, so they're a really great organisation. Um, 
Grey G-R-A-I in yep. um, Western Australia. They're a really excellent organisation, provide a range of social programs for um, older LGBTI people, a range of resources um, for community members as well. Um, obviously, um, in the Eastern States, there's ACON. Um, so there is a range of organisations that are LGBTI specific, yep. which is great. In South Australia, ECH worked quite closely with, in particular, two and a, a third to um, a lesser extent, other organisations who um, provide um, a range of programs for LGBTI people, so yeah. specifically LGBTI older people. So mm. that's CODA SA, so yep. Council of the Aging. They have a Rainbow Hub program. And they also run um, Silver Rainbow Training for yep. aged care providers. Um, and that is a peer-led program. So LGBTI people aged over 55 run that program. So yep. it's a really great program. Uh, and also the Catalyst Foundation here in South Australia. Um, they run a number of social groups for LGBTI people as well. Uh, and we also work quite closely with United Communities who... Um, run a program called Befriend. Yeah. Um, so that's the longest running LGBTI program in South Australia. Um, been running for 28 years. Um, and they run sort of mentorship type program for mm. newly identifying people of whatever age. Yeah. It's not age specific. Um, so they're three really great programs here in South Australia as well. Cool. If people want to find out more about ECH, where can they go? So if people want to know more about ECH, they can get onto our website, um, which is ech.asn.au, um, or they can call our customer service line, which is called Member Connect, on 1300 275 324. Cool. Robin, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.